What's up, everyone? Uh, Coach Pete here, Connor on the other side. We are starting a new version of the ATP podcast where uh, those of us that are in the bodybuilding scene are doing our like kind of recaps together. So Connor and I are on the same rotation. Uh, we're in off season, basically started at about the same time, and we'll be back on stage presumably in 2024. So that's where we're at. Uh, let's get started. Uh, so Connor, what's up? Oh, not too much. Uh, basic Tuesday for me. I got off work a little bit earlier today and did my uh, a little bit of food prep for the week. Had to get a few groceries. And uh, earlier today, I did a chest and arms workout. It was uh, it was pretty good. Um, and I'm just, you know, loving life. Uh, a little chubbier cheeks in the off season and feeling lots of energy, sleeping well and being happy. How about you, Pete? Uh, pretty similar. Today was, for training at least, uh, morning was arms and lats. I think I posted about it today, but it won't line up for whenever people see this, um, which is one of my favorite workouts. I hate training biceps, but I really like training back. Um, but today was canning at the brewery. So today I put um, a beer to guard into cans, and that's fun. Uh, that's one of my uh, main jobs at the brewery is canning beer, and that machine is a beast. And yeah, it's a lot of fun, but that's that was my day today and i'm going to drink a beer during this particular meeting oh and speaking of fuller face so i actually in tradition of strongman grew grew my beard back immediately just to just because like i don't really care like what my physique looks like if i'm really particularly lean or not um just because all the like strongman training i don't have like a, a lot of tied to my physique but what really sucked was watching my face fill out so fast. So I was like, I'm going to throw a little bit of buffer over that just so I don't have to like stare at that. That part really kind of, I'm surprised, but that's what really annoyed me the most of gaining my weight back post, uh, post contest. Yeah. I like, I, I kind of like the chisel jawline a little bit, but I, I think there's a point of prep where it gets a little bit too extreme where it's like uh, almost like you look like you're kind of like uh, a terminal cancer patient or something like that. Um, and people are just like, ah, oh, is this guy all right? Like I like it before that though, Bef before like, you know, we're talking like the, the six, seven weeks out, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's, that's for me is just, that's, that would be perfect to have all year, but it is what it is, man. Yeah, there was a one, one, oh yeah, I, I shaved my beard uh, kind of into prep and I was actually very lean at this point and I shaved it and I like, I remember taking my side, uh, side poses and I was like, oh my God, and like I had to zoom in. I'm like, my cheeks are striated. I hate that cheeks are striated right now. <laughs> it was like a weird thing to see because I'd never seen that before, at least in my, my like first I, I know season. what you mean. It's like you get lean enough with the fat here that you can really see the outline of the bone. And like, you can see like all this, like the little bit of detail in the muscle that's there. You can see it if the light hits it just right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll share that with you uh, later, yeah, yeah. just because it's a good one. Um, so what, uh, where, where are you at now um, in terms of body weight over stage? Yeah. So um, it's interesting with like pounds over stage weight, because you can look at your prep like low, I guess, or you can look at where you're at, um, you know, filled up the morning of the show which I think maybe makes a little bit more sense if you're looking at um, and you're looking at your off-season weight because your off-season weight, you're going to be carved up to. In fact, being like an off-season is almost like being spilled over constantly, right? If you're bulking, right? You have mm -hmm. a little bit of that extra film going on. 
So um, the lowest I got to in prep was like 170. And I think I had like a 169.8 lay in or something one day, but I couldn't really get any lower than 170, even though I, I still got leaner, but the weight just didn't drop more. It was, I don't know what was going on with the scale, but you know, then I was able to kind of build my metabolism up, uh, building up food. And the morning of most shows, I believe I was in the 174 pound range. And then when I weighed in at shows, I was 176. So, you know, morning, you're a little bit dehydrated, you know, whatever. So 174 was, was bottom of the barrel, kind of like day of the show weight. And then this morning I was 170, sorry, 187.6, I believe. And that's kind of, it's been bouncing around between 186, 189. 189 was a high weigh in, 186 was like, probably not seeing too many of those in, in the 187s right now for the most part. So that would make for about 13 pounds over, 14 pounds over, something like that, I guess. Okay. Okay. How about you? Let's see. So, uh, yeah, and I kind of uh, agree with the, like, well, people generally just go by their lowest ever weigh-in for prep, like, just as, like, tradition for some reason. But, yeah, the, um, like, the actually, like, full, fullest weight at the low makes sense to me, um, which for me on stage – um, normally I was at about 138, uh, 135 to 138, depending on where I was in the beginning of the season. So my October shows, I was on the lower end because I was leaner for those. Um, and then in the, the later shows, I was like closer to 138 because I wasn't as lean for those. Um, but my lowest low was 130, is it either 132 or 133, somewhere in that range. I'm a small dude. Uh, and my height is 5'6 or 5'7". I usually say five, six, but it's really five, six and a half, but I don't want to be that guy that rounds or like has the, the decimal when he says how tall he is, but yeah, so that's where I was for stage on, uh, so 138 probably on the 19th of November. And then on my contest for strongman that I weighed in at last Saturday, um, I weighed in at, this is with full clothes on in like my gear. Um, Cause I didn't bother emptying my pockets out, but I was at 163. Nice. For that. Um, which means like basically when I weigh in, in the morning, I'm actually at about 157 right now. Uh, it's pretty, it's basically my trend weight or my average weight over, over a week. Nice. Yeah. So, so you, I'm, mm-hmm. you're a little bit over more than I am, but not, but not by that much really. Yeah. And I, it was a very, well, I went faster than I had intended uh, just cause it was, Man, that was a tough one. Um, but this is ultimately where I wanted to be to start my actual gaining phase. I like being relatively above. Well, from all the years in Strongman, I know where I perform really well, and it's in the 150 to 168 range. Yeah. Um, 157, 158 is when I got my like uh, American record for the log, and then I competed at the Arnold at 167 or one. Yeah, about 167. So that range. I'm really comfortable being in. I know I make a lot of like strength gains. My leverages are awesome, at least for pressing. Um, But yeah, so like that's, I knew I want to get in that range and that's where I want to spend most of my gaining season was relatively in that range. That was actually my next question. Do you plan to like creep it up or do you you plan to kind of stay in the same kind of weight range the whole, the whole time? Yeah, I got here about as fast as I uh, wanted to maybe a little bit faster. And then I plan to get all the way up to 167 um very as slowly as i can manage uh up until from now until basically like preseason cleanup i'm gonna just try to spend this whole year fully gaining nice nice so that's how many pounds is that away from where you're at now you said one you're 156 right right now was it 
uh, about 157. Uh, so it's a, basically from here, I plan to gain 10, gain basically 10 pounds over the course yeah. of the year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. See, this is where I, our strategies might be a little bit different because I, um, I guess I try and be a little bit kind of a little bit more conservative off, off the front end. Like I definitely want to recover. Um, but I don't want to put on, I guess, more body fat than I feel like I need to, to recover. And, um, I actually have, a, a some, uh, Instagram posts that's going to come out to this. I put in, put in the drive for ATP hasn't, hasn't, but, um, um, basically, you know, you want to get to 10% over contest weight pretty quick. Right. And then, uh, so I'm a little under that, like I'm more, I think I'm, I'm beating like 8% over right now and I feel great. And I mean, that's where there's a little bit of individual individuality, I guess, like some people probably can recover at be like only like 8% over. Some people maybe need 10 just to like start to feel recovered, you know, just to, depending on how hard the prep hurt the person, how below they were their body fat set point and where they comfortably sit in the off season. Right. So for me right now, this is definitely like uh, the lower end of my comfortability, but definitely like all the good, all the markers like sleep, um, you know, um, satiety are really good right now. Training performance is great. I feel probably my best at this body weight in terms of like being able to move my body and like train really hard, like really hard training and like still recover from it, but um, not be so like, like I'm going to be heavier in the off season eventually, which I'll get, which I'll talk to you about in a second. But, and then when I get that heavy, I know it's really tough to like actually train as hard because um, you just like in between sets, you're kind of like gasping for air more and more. You're not quite as fit because you have just this bigger body to move through space. And like, mm -hmm. you can, you can move bigger loads than too, which is even, even bigger insult to your recovery. Right. And you're <laughs> in between sets. Right. But you know, this is where I think maybe it's a little bit different because I still plan on gaining another maybe, you know, 15, 20 pounds from here, um, all the way up to maybe 210-ish at my peak, maybe. And so I'll, I'll keep, and that would, that's my 210 is about my 20% over contest weight, which I think is like, that's when it's probably a good cutoff for people is like, if you can't make gains getting over 20% over, like you're probably any gains you're making additional after that, that if you feel they're really good or maybe just like kind of like leverage dependent, or it's just, you're getting so far away from that, your contest weight, that it's just going to be a whole lot of dieting uh, to come back from that. And like, even dieting now for 20% over, you gotta, you gotta spend a decent chunk of time. Like that's going to be a diet before the diet and it's going mm -hmm. to be a prep. Right. So um, that that's definitely what I'm looking at. I, I, I really need to put a pen to paper and look at timelines with body weights. Cause I haven't really thought about it too much. I just know 210 is like as, as heavy as I would go, but I do want to kind of take it there because I feel like I make pretty good gains up to there. And then after that, it gets, the lines get a little bit blurred and it's pretty much what I did my last off season. I got up to around 207 was my top, okay. top weight. And I kind of reeled it in from there. And that, that felt good. That felt like I kind of maximized the surplus, but I didn't get crazy heavy because I've gotten up to um, in 2019 off season, my heaviest was 224. I think okay. I started dieting and then, then I did, I did a um, close to 50 over essentially. Yeah. About, it was like 52 over, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then I did a uh, 10 month, 10 month prep. I think it was, I went from January to October that year and uh, I was able to get in pretty good condition, but that, I felt like that took more of a toll on me, more of my recovery. Like as much as I complained about, you know, having sleep problems and stuff and prep this year, it actually wasn't near as bad this prep as I have, I've had it in the past. Um, this, the last prep was actually feeling pretty good until about maybe, maybe four, four weeks out at my worst, and then pushed it a little bit till about three weeks out. And that was tough. And then, then I started to bring calories up and then I felt, you know, better, you know, after bringing mm -hmm. them up. 
Uh, whereas, you know, I felt really, really like way, 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 way worse at the end of my 2019 prep, trying to get that last little bit of fat off. And then I felt the recovery process coming out of that was just harsher too. It was like I had uh, less control over my eating. Uh, I needed to get heavier over stage weight before I felt recovered. Um, my metabolic rate seemed to like, I didn't really like I was, I gained my whole off season up on the only 2000 calories. Like I think I peaked out at like, I was trying to compete back to back years because I won the pro card and had to compete again. So I, I got mm-hmm. up, all the, I got up all the way to like 198 and it was only like 3000 calories that brought me there, uh, which was kind of strange. Wow. Yeah. It was kind of, that was kind of strange for me. Like right now I'm on 3200 and gaining very slow. And I know like that will not take me up to 198, you know? Yeah. I'm actually gaining at, uh, at this point, gaining slowly at 2,950 calories, roughly. Nice. I say roughly, that's a pretty specific number, but roughly 2,900 calories is where I'm at right now. So that's kind of my maintenance. How's, how's your like hunger and hunger? Like it's all good. It's finally day. normal, dude. The, so I struggled quite a bit this time with, um, you know, it might, whatever I'll, I'll get there. Um, but I struggled quite a bit with the disinhibition and appetite. Um, really pretty much for about eight weeks. That's about how long it took me to not feel like I'm just tired of being hungry. Cause I actually spent, um, a month and a quarter, uh, in the strided glute department. So it was, uh, a long 10, time. Yep. yeah, it was 10 weeks. That's a long um, time. You know, they showed up before my first show and yeah. I rode that all the way through the end. Cause I st- I was basically, uh, ready, um, mid September. And my first show was October because we got ready early. And I was like, you know, I want to do six shows. Cliff, can we do six shows? He's like, yeah, I mean, we can do them. Yeah. <laughs> he's never going to like, he, we never put anything on stage that I wasn't like proud of. There are ones that I was more proud of for sure. But I think ultimately I spent too long in that, in that contest shape. So my best shows were the first three, like I've mentioned here before. But uh, I think next season I'm going to try to focus on four do four shows like so an OCB show, um, two WNBF shows, just because, you know, one to qualify one at worlds. Um, and then maybe a local, local ANBF show. Cause ANBF was my first pro card. And I got a soft spot in my heart for, um, for them. I'm amazed you held up as well as you did doing six shows. I've never done that many. I did my season in 2019. I did like a warm up show. Then I did two shows within a week of each other. So it was three shows technically, but the first show I wasn't shredded for, and the next two were a week apart. Um, and I mean, I even faded after uh, one show uh, this year. That was kind of just, I think it was just the circumstance of all the travel and the stress and stuff. And uh, my, my training wasn't as good as I would have liked between shows. I think I would make some changes to that next time. Um, but yeah, I think four shows next year, um, that, that'll be a lot easier to manage. And you'll feel like that, uh, maybe we'll get into this because I'm kind of curious to hear about it, but like maybe the disinhibition you experience is going to be a little bit less if you spend less time you know, being I'm hoping. That of your mind. I'm kind of curious to hear some, yeah. some stories of the disinhibition. I, I get some for you too, um, from my previous experiences, but you, you go ahead and tell me what it was like. Yeah, no. So like, uh, I mean, the, I think it was the biggest, the biggest one. And, uh, every once in a while I look at the calories and food. I'm like, wow, how did I do that? So, uh, this was after the ANBF, uh, pro show. I think it was October it was the third week of October. So whatever that Saturday is, probably the 18th or 15th, somewhere in that range. But I went with a friend and because it was a local show, only like three hours away. And on, so like we had food um, after the show, which actually I did pretty reasonable. I had like shrimp, 
um, like a, like some sort of shrimp dish. So it was, you know, like intentionally pretty low calorie. And then on our way home, we drive by a Baskin Robbins slash Dunkin' Donuts. And she's like, Hey, do you want some ice cream? I'm like, well, I can't say no right now. So yeah, definitely. And so we went to go get some ice cream. I got an ice cream cone, which was pretty large and then ended up like, Oh, I'll grab a couple donuts. And on the way out, on the way out, the lady <laughs> was like, hey, do you want these, these bags of donuts? It's like, wait, why? <laughs> like a couple of people ordered them and then didn't, didn't come pick them up. So we're just gonna throw them away in like, in like 10 minutes. So I was like, yeah, yep, I want those. <laughs> <laughs> so from about 3 p.m. to 10 p.m., I hit 10,000 calories that day. Damn. Which was, I, I look at things and I'm like, the biggest thing of Nutella, like the biggest one you can get, that's 5,000 calories in one tub. I'm just like picturing myself eating two of those tubs. I'm like, man, that was, that was a time where I was like, I really, like, I just not willing to say no to food. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like really where, that was probably the, the hardest one for me. What happened the next day after that? What happened the next day after the 10K? <laughs> um, honestly, I looked fucking awesome. Um, like, but oh, then I, I looked, and I looked, <laughs> And then I looked really terrible with the next two days. After you processed it all, it all absorbed. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so, uh, and, and Cliff and I were still working on getting our, um, like, how much carb I can process. Mm-hmm. Um, so each one of those was more and more. And I think ultimately we found out I can process quite a bit more because I was like, hey, man, I had a lot of calories and I'm looking pretty sick right now. And, like, by midday, um, the next day, I was already, like, starting to look pretty terrible. But, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, that was probably the 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 most noteworthy one but for the most part it was just like i really had trouble walking by like the uh, dunkin donuts the airport after monster mash because i uh, i was there for 14 hours at that airport <laughs> and like the only thing that was open 24 hours was that damn dunkin donuts so that's I, apparently my weakness weakness is donuts nice well i mean yeah that that's a good way to i i had done some donuts actually after um after my show too, when I was just walking around Salem, I, I stayed with, um, stayed with Geraldo who came second in the, in the pro class of Monster Mash. And, uh, oh, cool. he, he lives in Salem, Massachusetts. And I was just walking around the next day, um, kind of sampling all the foods there. I just kind of went on the food tour in Salem. Basically it was great, but I got a good story for, of, um, of disinhibition, um, eating on, on contest prep in from 2019, actually. Um, I was kind of just in this area of prep where I had finished my last kind of hard dig. And then I was kind of doing some refeed days and then I was getting like the edema, right? Um, so that, and this, it was way, way worse in 2019. Like, you know, what I posted um, on my story, whatever it was a, a few months back, that was like maybe two to three pounds worth of some fluid retention that I could see on the scale on the weigh-ins. I had about seven pounds uh, in this one in 2019 because it was a harsher dig. It was like, I was doing, you know, more, intense cardio, um, like more like medium intensity cardio every day. Like I was doing like 20 K steps. I was doing like 1600 calories at the end. I was like a 10 day dig of like 20 K steps, cardio, most days, um, high volume weight training, you know, just throw the kitchen sink at it. That's what I did anyway. So I was coming, coming out of this dig and I was on some like kind of like moderate calorie days talking like maybe like, you know, 2000, I think 2000 ish calories, 2200 trying to like, you know, let my body fill out and kind of like let this edema pass or whatever. And um, I think I was on my third day of that or second day of that or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to mentally keep it together. I know I'm going to 
to compete. And I'm really kind of frustrated with this ankle water retention because I hadn't, like, I kind of knew it was probably going to go away, but I just didn't have an, I hadn't troubleshooted enough times at that point to know for sure it was going to go away. So I was kind of like emotionally hung up on that. And I'm like cleaning my place and doing food prep and whatever. And I opened the freezer and my roommate at the time, there was like this, this is bad, but there was like a, a three month old, like lemon cake in the freezer or something. And I, I swear, I didn't even think about it or realize what I was doing until I was already eating the cake, but it was already in my mouth and I was, <laughs> I was already eating it. Right. And I, I didn't even realize what I was doing until I had like basically had a whole slice of cake. Right. And then I kind of freaked out and, you know, I did my best to like change my calories for the day and like track it, in my fitness pal, like some kind of generic, like lemon cake or whatever. And like, maybe it pushed my calories to 2400. It didn't really make a big difference, but like at that moment, I had no control over what I was doing. My body saw food. My mind was actually focused on the cleaning task and like whatever else is going on. And I just unconsciously was eating the lemon cake. Kind of reminds me of the um, had a, like TikTok meme from not too long ago, where it's like someone reaching for a barbell and then the screen glitches and then they're holding like a drink or a donut or something like that. It's so, like all of a sudden it's lemon cake. <laughs> yeah. Like what happened? Yeah, that makes heard- sense. I've heard stories on podcasts too of people who like sleep eat and like oh, that would suck. I'm yeah, yeah that sounds rough. Yeah, and, and their um their coach was like, Oh, just put locks in your cupboards. And these people were like putting like locks in their cupboards at night so they wouldn't wake up in the middle of the yeah, night. Yeah, like those kids' locks sleepy. with the like little switch behind. Yeah. Um, I've got one more before we move on from yeah, disinhibition. Yeah, yeah. But um uh, some of you might know I share in my stories that I make uh like uh craft caramels. So I really like making caramels. I actually started it. Um, from one of the played outs from Stronger by Science when Greg Knuckles set, shared his caramel recipe. Well, anyway, so I, I took that and I make a dozen different types of caramels now. But I was making, um, oh yeah, so I got, um, I got a bunch of cocoa nibs from a local chocolatier um, because, so I work in a brewery, everyone knows that. Um, and I don't drink a lot while I'm on prep, um, but I do add like cocoa nibs to things. And so I actually got in contact with the local chocolate, uh, chocolate maker. So an actual factory and offered them a beer trade. Cause like when you work in beer, it's a pretty common thing. You're like, Hey, I've got beer. What do you have? Do you want to trade? And so I got like five pounds of cocoa nibs, um, from this trade. He's like, yeah, that'll last you a couple of months. I still have them. That's not what I binged on. Um, but I made a crispy cocoa nib, um, caramels. And I remember like, like I had one and then. <laughs> And this makes 80 caramels. And uh, so anyway, yeah, like I had one and then like the next day I had like five. And I remember the third day that I had them, I had like the rest of them. And Caitlin was like, my wife, Caitlin was like, did you eat all of those? I was like, yeah, I can't make caramels on bread. I'm not, I can't make caramels. (laughs) (laughs) So like I've made like maybe 10 batches of caramels since, like since I got off prep, which is a lot of caramels. And uh, not, not really to eat them all because I've actually been, a lot more moderate in my intake since I started making them. Um, but I've been making them to like give out to friends. Cause like I couldn't make them to give out uh, during prep. So I was like, I got to catch up. I got to send these out to friends and stuff, but yeah, that was kind of the big one, but let's get on to, Oh, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. So uh, let's get on to like a uh, performance then. Uh, when did you notice uh, like performance drop off or where did you notice it come back? Um, at least in a meaningful way. Well, I was doing really, really well on my, on my prep towards the end. Um, like, 
And this is where I kind of realized some things like, okay, training with some lower volume and like more stable movements, like seems to really work um, for me to hold on to muscle. And, you know, I felt less overtrained and everything was going really, really well with my performance, even with like chest pressing, I was like impressed because I was using like an incline, like hammer machine plate loaded. And that was like maintaining, you know, very, very well until I did my last kind of dig for fat loss. And then all of a sudden 20 pounds gone off that machine, just like couldn't do it. Like, it away. I was actually like, this actually got shredded up here. Like it was like, there was actually, I was holding fat here for a long time. Mm-hmm. This actually got really peeled. And then all of a sudden it wasn't going up anymore. And that was like, kind of like, ah, oh, shit. Like I was doing so well. And I was like, risk like talking about the the, la- the last dig in my head is like is it worth it like you know i'm doing but i'm doing really well so far i'm maintaining and i did that last little dig and then boom you know it, that that was when i really noticed some performance loss there um and then most everything you know kind of maintained fairly well um some things got me- messed up during my prep because i had some knee issues so like one of my favorite things to do was like a hack squat right. for quads yeah so mm-hmm. i had switched to a leg press um mid prep and i hadn't really driven the leg press up in the off season. So that kind of like gave me those kind of like artificial gains as I was diving down. Cause I got just got better at leg pressing because I hadn't done it um, mm-hmm. at all in the off season really. So um, my, like my squat patterns, which you think would kind of like dwindle during prep, they didn't seem as bad because I had that novelty movement in there, which is, I didn't really want to have the novelty. I wanted to kind of like keep everything trackable, but um, basically that was kind of out of necessity to put that in. So everything like everything maintained pretty well and all my like pulling stuff like maintained really well through prep like all my lat stuff like actually didn't falter at all uh, mm-hmm. which, which was great um and like same with like bicep tricep isolation not not a whole not a big difference um pretty, stay pretty stable and then so basically as i got into my off season i definitely noticed the pressing was making nice uh you know nice progress forward Um, and then same with, um, my knee was feeling a little bit better at that point. So I was able to add back in some hack squats and that was climbing steadily with my body weight rising. Uh, I think like I jumped up like within, I jumped up like a plate per side pretty quick, you know, cause I restarted the movement and was getting used to it again and I was gaining body weight. So that came up pretty quick and the chest, the chest presses are coming back. Um, they're a little bit slower. I would say that's kind of like a bit of a weakness of mine, but, um, you know, even just today, I progressed the same incline hammer machine. I get like uh, two plates in the 35 per side for a set of six, six, and seven. And I also got these um, these micro plates. I got these um, bells of steel, oh, nice. like half pound uh, micro plates. So um, some, sometimes with my pressing, I don't feel confident enough that I'm going to like be able to add a rep per session. So I kind of want to use these micro plates um, for sessions that I feel like, okay, maybe going from going six, six, seven, it's not realistic. Maybe I need to go six, six, seven next week, but add another half pound plate. Maybe that's an easier progression to make. And that keeps me kind of motivated to keep at this rather than subbing up the movement. Cause I feel like I failed one week and it's this big kind of emotional decision to like trash the movement. Cause like you feel just like worn out trying to progress it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? Um, let's see. So yeah, it was actually pretty similar except my knee, knee issues were, um, Actually, I basically had similar issues. So my right and left knee, um, they were kind of bugging me at the beginning of prep, mostly because um, I, I was training for the Arnold and for a strongman event at the same time. Well, they're both strongman events, but one of them was a, more of a local show with a strongman squat. So like 550 squat max reps, but it's like for strongman squats, it's like kind of like a half squat. So it's 
you know, that it's not the, the weight is heavy, but it's not as heavy as it sounds. Right. Um, and I'm really very, very good at strongman squats. So like any partial range squat, I've, I've never lost in strongman. Uh, and I continue that continued it at this one, but I trashed my knees basically training for that event for some reason, uh, because I was training for that, which, you know, higher, I don't know if the partial range squats are harder on my knees or it was my positioning, but I was also doing a tremendous amount of axle uh, split jerking, uh, which is where kind of like, you know, it's the overhead press where you're like split and well, actually push jerking. I wasn't doing split jerks at the time. Um, but that's a, it's a high impulse force. Um, but basically I was just blasting my knee joint terribly. So like, uh, I, I developed quite a bit of pain in my knees. And at the, at some point I was like, man, I hope these don't tear until after the Arnold. Cause I was like, I'm, I feel like they're gonna, but I want to go to the Arnold. It's kind of like that level of like where performance was much more important to me than health yeah. um, at that particular range. Cause like, yeah. I mean, a lot of like, really dedicated uh, athletes are going to be there like uh, prep that's not that's not health so perform like that's that's a goal that outweighs health uh, anyway so that that really wrecked my knees so I was like when I started prep and I hired a, a cliff on I was like dude I gotta tell you I'm not squatting <laughs> so like, I can do I can do anything else I'll try like a leg press hack squat um, various things and like uh, leg extension was the dream I think I got one for my home gym, which is one of the first things I got for my home gym. Uh, and I love that, but yeah, I basically did not do any squat patterns, uh, at all for my prep. So any of the, the leg development I maintained, um, or kept through was basically either, um, like leg extensions, uh, cause I, in my home gym, I don't have any, anything to do a, a squat pattern if it's not a squat. So, uh, that was kind of one thing, but everything else maintained quite well. Uh, up until really the last dig and like the end of September. And then it kind of maintained being meh at best through all of my shows. Um, but yeah, pulling all my pulls stayed relatively, relatively good though. I did not do any deadlifts. Um, I just didn't really bother. I didn't really have a need. And in my shed, again, my home gym, I can't really deadlift in that heavy anyway. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until kind of then that really things dropped down, um, overhead press, um, generally is one of those movements that drops down pretty quickly as my body weight goes down. So like, I knew that was going to happen and it's not necessarily due to prep. It's just my leverages are really good when I'm heavier and they just go down once they get below about 150. Um, but yeah, so when I, when I came back up, I actually competed in, uh, let's see, November 19th was my last show. That was WNBF worlds. And then I competed January, January 22nd, uh, in strongman. And honestly, it wasn't until that contest that I realized my, how I felt and my performance had come back basically to, to where I would expect it to be if I hadn't done a prep. If that makes sense. Cause like my overhead yes. press, I got near PR stuff like that. Um, and I just really, I felt healthy. I felt good. And I did a strongman contest without really feeling like I was annihilated. Um, which is pretty common to feel after a strongman contest. So um, that was a meaningful like metric for myself. And that's kind of why I signed up for it, just to see if I could. So, so would you say um, if you keep going with your off season now and you start progressing, like most of the things you'll be hitting will be like kind of PRs either for reps or, or, or for just like overall volume? Um, 
Uh, I don't know if, if I'll be hitting PRs for really much until probably a, a few months from now. Okay. Um, uh, let's see, because it, it's hard to really kind of gauge PRs for myself because I spent uh, two years at 185 at my, and that was my strongest. Um, and that was actually when I was at my best strongman, uh, like strength. So like a lot of those PRs, I will never see again. So it, I, I really have to kind of think of things in the kind of the context of um, the, I, more of like seasonal PRs. Yeah. Uh, where I was this time last season or stuff like that. So like I'm, I'm hoping to have um, my best ever overhead press for a log at least is 245 for a single. Um, I'm hoping to maybe match that near uh, September, October. So that way I can try to beat it in, in November or late October. So yeah, I, 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 and they, obviously you have um, lots of performance goals with strongman too. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, mine are more bodybuilding centric, but I think it's interesting. Like people will say like, if you, well, if you don't like progress on all your lifts from your last off season, like why would you be bigger on stage? And that's true, but it's actually, I think a really, really, really tough thing to do. And I'll give you a few, few reasons why. And one thing is like, you know, if we're going between seasons and we're doing four years of training, are we going to be doing all the same movements for four years in a row? Probably not. Probably if you get subbed out of for the necessity and as well too, like it really, some of the lifts are going to be body weight dependent. So if you were heavier in the past, it might be maybe a more meaningful goal is to just kind of match your old off season PR to lighter body weight. If you, if you need to do that for the betterment of your bodybuilding season to make it, to make it like an easier contest prep, depending on, you know, who we're speaking to here. Right. But um, it's, it's actually quite tough to do in terms that you're probably not going to stick with all the same lifts. And then there's the body weight factor that goes into it too. So, and then even with me, it's like, yeah, I've hit PRs on some of these like lat training movements, but they're like still kind of new movements. They're still newbie movements to me. Cause I've only been doing them for about two years as opposed to like some form of chest press. Like I've been doing chest presses for like 12, 13 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I mean, if, if we really were, um, if I, this is a, I've heard a lot of people say this recently, I was just watching, uh, Alberta Nunez, Nunez, uh, most recent YouTube video just went up before we started to talk here. Um, he's like, well, if I'm adding weights or reps, this like really quickly at this stage in my lifting career, it's like something with my technique probably changed. Right. Which I think is a really, it's a big thing that a lot of the logbook crowd doesn't want to admit is that they're kind of hacking their form, uh, to make some of these logbook progressions some of the time. And not that they're not making the muscular progress that's on the table, but it, they may be kind of artificially inflating what they're getting through getting super high body weights or just moving load with crappier and crappier form. Um, mm -hmm. And then maybe they're, maybe it's a good thing that they're excited to contest prep, but maybe they're, they didn't gain quite as much contractile tissue as they thought they did. What do you think about that? No, I definitely agree. Cause like, and that kind of ties into why I was like, I don't know if I really expect to see PRs <laughs> like those PRs anymore. Very honest. Yeah. Very honest. Um, Cause yeah. like to me, I like, I, a lot of my strength, stuff like i can probably get maybe 10 20 pounds pr every couple of years uh from my overhead press bench deadlift right um anytime i see a pr of any sort from my deadlift my squat or my overhead press i consider that an achievement i didn't know that i was going to achieve so like that's and those are one rep maxes so that's not necessarily the best example of more contractile tissue because that's going to be a better a better proxy measure for that's going to be moderate rep ranges um and even even for that 
honestly, I don't really care uh, about PRs. I really only track what my current progression looks like. Nice. Um, so like, I, I don't, I have value over those strongman PRs, but I could not care less what my bodybuilding numbers are because it's, it's about like keeping moving forward and what I look like on stage. So as long as I, I know I'm adapting in a way that I can add more to the bar, uh, then I'm happy. Uh, that's, that's the only measurement I'm really fully tracking. I mean, I have all of my numbers in there, but yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at. I, I can, I can give you one where I'm kind of, I'm kind of confused about what I want to do because like I was doing those, I've been doing those trap bar RDLs and I'm mm -hmm. not too far away from what I had logbook wise, but I'm pretty sure some of the stuff I have written in my logbook from 2021, like, I think I kind of like just kind of dropped the eccentrics really fast or just like kind of went for an all out PR that day. And like, I think I could do those right now if I wanted to, but I'm just not sure if like the movement, the way I'm doing it is as good as I could be doing it. If I used the low handles and got into a little bit more hip flexion and did them reset reps. Right. Cause I, I kind of realized uh, a few weeks ago that I can do them that way with a fairly flat back and feel confident about it. And I feel like I get a little bit more glute stimulation and hamstring stimulation that way. And the erectors, spinal erectors certainly go through a larger range of motion. Um, and then I, I'm not going to have the glory of beating my old off-season PR if I go that route, but maybe that's a better movement, better stimulus to fatigue, better overall gains. Um, and, you know, maybe that's a better path to pick rather than just saying I beat a number just to say I beat it, right? Yeah, and, and in that situation, like, it could be that you're just chasing like a phantom anyway. Because yeah. like, who knows what your form looked like all the way up to that. So yeah. like, you could already be like vastly outperforming um, the exact weight you're doing now with the technique you were doing then. So like, that is very likely already a massive improvement, which means you probably put at least enough more muscle on for it to be easier at that weight. But who yeah, tracks that shit? And, and my body, my body weight's lower than it was because I would have been around two hundred seven. Um, and I think, like in my logbook, I have uh, there was I had one number. It was like three sixty five for eight on trap bar RDL, and then I had one time I think I got it for ten. But I, I'm I'm positive on that ten one. I just I just bounced the shit out of it that day. <laughs> but Love but it. yeah, and then so I'm all I'm twenty pounds lighter than I than I was when I was hitting those then. So you know that movement is is going well. Uh, at least. Um, but this was actually this last past Saturday, uh, Sunday, sorry, was the first day I didn't actually advance uh, like on a rep PR because it was a very quick progression after, after prep. Cause actually I should have mentioned this when we started talking initially about performance losses, but I guess whittling down, uh, over by, you know, 35, 40 pound drop of my contest prep, I did lose about 50 pounds of my trap bar RDL and hmm. Basically, it's it's come up almost that whole amount um, in the last what eight nine weeks post contest, uh, which is nice. Um, but but yeah, that's something I've been kind of toying with. Do I want to keep it? Do I want to change it? Um, I've been trying to like simplify my training and have less movements that I just feel more confident in. Yeah, it makes sense. What what sort of progression do you actually track right now? Is it linear? Is it double progression? I know you said rep PRs, but so that's the thing. I was able to progress with just a top set. Um, for the most part, there was actually, I did get into, I was trying to set myself up for double progression for a little while with that, but I did, I did it for like a week or two and felt like, oh, I just don't need it. It's still just going so quick. I can just do one yeah. top set and it's going great. And that just end, ended this, um, this Sunday, but I, I feel like I could have done a rep PR 
if I wanted to, I could have gotten that eighth rep, but I would have definitely dropped the eccentric and I would have bounced it more like, cause I actually, I've been video, I've been meticulously video, videoing the RDLs, which I haven't done in the past. Um, so I'm very aware when I'm now, when I'm either just say bending my knee more, which is an easy way to make it easier, more like a regular deadlift or dropping the eccentric faster. Cause like, I'll even watch the videos. I'm like, okay, reps going down count one, two, three, four, five. Oh, that was only a four count. You know what I mean? So I'm mm-hmm. making the eccentric quicker. So I'm trying to like really hold myself accountable and not making like, you know, progressions that I don't actually have ownership over. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's just been one top set up until now. And then I kind of faltered this last uh, Sunday in terms of progressing that. And now I'm kind of like, well, I set it up with some double progression, maybe do some lower RAR sets and try and progress it there and keep the movement. Or maybe I'm going to, maybe I might just switch to the low handle version for a while and see kind of what I can get out of that. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of, hopefully these answers will reveal themselves in time. This week, I've kind of been in turmoil what I'm going to do, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um... I, so the prog- progression I generally do, at least on my main list or the ones I care about the most, I generally always do double progression. I'm uh, mostly just because I like it. Um, I get very really bored reliable. With, very good. Very yeah. reliable. And I get really bored with linear stuff. So like I, I do it for like three weeks and I start going up way more than I should be. Um, anyway, so I do, I generally do straight sets. Um, I do a lot of what used to be like kind of uh, RP's general thing. Um, I just found that I really love it. I really enjoy adding sets. Um, and then when I kind of reach a peak number of sets, which for me is seven, I drop it down, increase the weight, um, or change the rep range. Uh, pretty, pretty common that I do that instead. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of like my main movements. Otherwise I just increase, uh, reps, uh, by one or two or one every two weeks. So like, let's say I'm doing, uh, what do I have? Like, yeah, leg extensions, like one week I'll have three sets of 10. Next week, I'll have three sets of 10. Following week, I'll have three sets of 11. And then, so every two weeks, I increase. So, like, same, same, one more, one more, two more, two more uh, for, like, less, uh, like, compound movements or things that are kind of, like, less less of a focus of mine. Uh, so I can have a little bit more, like, total set volume uh, with the things that I'm kind of currently more focused on. See that? So, like, that'll... Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. That's I mean that that's a, a different type of way of running the double progression than I've done in the past. Like when I when I did it, um, this is like I kind of like got introduced to this by Brian Miner, and I realized oh this is the thing people have been doing for a while. I just never really like learned to do it or had made anyone hold me accountable to to stick with it, right? And he 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 might have like for example three by ten to twelve, and instruct me to like when I felt good enough to add reps to the back ends of sets. So like. You know, depending on how you feel that day, like you might hit 10, 10, 11. And then the next week, you know, you might hit 10, 11, 11, and then 11, 11, mm-hmm. 11, 11, 11, 12, 11, 12, 12, 12, 12, 12. And then maybe that's the end of the rep range, 10 to 12, right? That, that's how he would do it with me. And I find that's like, it's pretty manageable to like add a rep most weeks, as long as you're recovering well and you're added, performing a decent level of volume and in a surplus, you know, probably pretty, pretty reliable progressions for sure. Yeah. And honestly, as long as you're doing like adequate volume and not ridiculously excess volume, there's not a lot of ways to go wrong anyway. Yeah. So like, and that's kind of, that's kind of the thing I don't I wanna, stress about it too much. That's kind of the thing I want to figure out is I want to kind of figure out the bottom end of volume that I can make reliable progress on. And um, this is where I'm kind of going back and forth. Cause I really, I really do like training hard to failure and make it brief. Like that's like, 
in a perfect world, I would do like maybe 10 sets of workout and like half of them would be to failure. Um, but I just don't think that's like quite good enough for us on the stimulus front to like bring up the, bring up the, the lifts that I want to kind of like work on. I think a lot of times I do better in that double progression, three sets where maybe I'm doing RAR of two for the first set, one for the second set and zero for the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably where I need to be for most of my lifts to see the progress. Um, but it's really, it's been really fun coming off the back of the show and just knowing that there's going to be all this easy progress to make and being able to, to really just do these one top sets in a lot of instances and just progress, progress them really easily. Like, it's almost like you never get to have this much fun again for a while. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, for, let's see. I'm trying to think of other, other specific things for training right now. I think most of my main work. So like anything that whatever main work, oh, low battery. Um, can you see me? Yeah. So yeah. for most of my main work, I generally, I, I try to aim for one to two reps in reserve, but I think I pretty much always land at uh, voluntary failure. So like mm-hmm. where I like, I get to, to like the last rep I think I can do. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't have another one. I think that's generally where I end up for most of those main movements except for biceps, which I don't know. I I've mentioned this before and I guess I'll get into it more detail right now. So biceps are a pretty important thing for me. I'm trying to really bring them up, but I cannot for the life of me get anywhere near failure. I get like a minor burn in my biceps. I'm like, I hate this. I'm done. My set's over. (laughs) I like, I really have to mentally push really hard for biceps to like get closer to failure. Cause like I, so like I've been doing my progression. I was doing like, see like five sets of 12 at 85 pound easy bar. And like, and the last time I'm like, all right, I'm really actually going to push this one to failure. So they were all sets of 12, which I thought were really close to failure. And I got like another, like eight reps. I'm like, God damn it. How, how much, how close to failure have I been on, on all these sets that I can still do on my seventh set an extra eight reps. So like, I really just need to double down and just really come up with a, a, like a bicep movement that I can reliably get myself closer to failure and not just fucking hate the whole time. Well, you, you know what? I know what you're saying because taking biceps to failure, it, it is a lot of burning and pain. And honestly, this is where I've kind of fallen into actually doing more of a lower rep range, which a lot of people will say is taboo for arms or biceps, biceps in general. But I find if you get a really stabilized movement, like let's say you have a, like a cable preacher curl, for example, or like something like that. In my opinion, you can do like a set of six to almost failure. You're still going to get all that mechanical tension and you don't really get as much of the burn and the movement is stable enough that you can really keep it in the bicep. And that's, that's, that's one of my go-tos for biceps it would be like a, a single arm cable preacher curl where I'm kind of getting out to the side a little bit and lining up mm-hmm. in this plane. And to me, I thought, doing that and i did that a lot over my last off season i'm continuing to do it now i thought that was what gave me the biggest return in investment for biceps and i wasn't comfortable doing the lower references at first but the more i got comfortable with it and tried it more i was like you know what this is actually pretty cool like i'm getting these effective reps really quickly it's a highly stable movement um and i don't have to go through all the burning and pain um to get to those failure reps Mm -hmm. and just to double check what is what for you is lower rep ranges I would say I wouldn't really want to go lower than six. I'd say maybe sometimes five on a, on a, like something like a trap bar RDL fives would be cool. Um, But like, I wouldn't really, if I'm getting lower than five, I'm probably it. I probably miss shot the weight for my programming. 
Sweet. I'm actually like three week, weeks away from the end of my like 14 week mesocycle. So I'll probably, uh, I'll give it a try. I'll, I'm, I'm probably going to swap uh, easy bar curls out of my main movement and send them back to like more to like a backup movement and bring yep. like Bayesian curls. How do you pronounce it? Bayesian? Bayesian curls. I like doing those are in my program too right now. They're very good. Yeah. I'm going to give those a go because I use my dumbbells for like every movement yep. and it is a pain in the ass to like, I, I can't, I can't do like supersets. I have to like be really quick in my gym. Mm. Um, like I can't do supersets if my dumbbells are all of my movements. Um, so I think uh, have, you have to change the weights on them adjustable. Yeah. So my, my other Bowflex, um, so they're, they're pretty quick to adjust. Okay. Um, but it's still a pain to like, you know, have to do it for every movement. So I, yeah. I don't bother. Um, but being able to do those on my cable, um, my, like my cable tower, um, I'm really excited about being able to do that because it'll be able to open that up. And I really just kind of liked that burn a little bit more than I got from all the other bicep movements so far. Yeah. So I think one I'll probably really, try that. One out. really easy setup too, if um, you don't have like a preacher bench, like I'm, I know you have benches in your gym or whatever, but you can always like, you'll see um, Alberto Nunez's client, um, Dirk, he does the one where you're, you're on the ground, but you have a cable coming this way and you just brace on your knee, right? So you have mm -hmm. kind of the ability to do that just with your own body. I can probably do that and just be, yeah. well, I mean, we'll, we'll take a video. We'll see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know how that feels. <laughs> Sweet. Um, where, where are you on current training? Have we, we talked about what your split looks like right now. Yeah, let's, let's go into that. So, um, uh, <laughs> we kind of debated this in the group chat the other day, but I'm, um, I'm not anti deload, but I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. team, I'm, I'm team deload when you need it. And, um, I think for me, I haven't felt like I needed it yet. There was a few weeks where I thought I did, but then I just kind of looked at my program. I was like, oh, I'm going to failure a little bit too often. I'll strip the volume back a bit and we'll see where that lands. And I felt good progress is coming. So I pretty much haven't really deloaded since, um, you know, the monster mash, basically the, the peak week of that. Um, and my current split is, um, day one, chest and arms day two, which is tomorrow back in delts day three is a lag day. That's kind of focused on quads. Uh, quads are a better body part of mine. So I don't do as much volume on them. Um, and then I take a rest day and then I do a general upper body day to kind of hit the stuff I didn't get on my first two days of the split. And then my Sunday workout is a lag day that's kind of posterior posterior chain dominant where I'm doing those trapper RDLs. But before that, I actually do a small amount of bicep work where I'm doing those cable preacher curls and I'm doing the Bayesian curls, just like three sets for biceps uh, before I get into the main leg work, just because I want to have a workout where I can kind of do those with no fatigue because I'm trying to increase my biceps as well too. And I find doing them earlier in the session really seems to help. And it doesn't really cause too much fatigue for like the deadlifts and stuff after that. So that's kind of what I'm doing in a nutshell. Sweet. What's your, what's yours looking like? I know you got biceps and back together. Yeah. I had to, I had to pull up my spreadsheet cause I wasn't sure I would remember it all. Um, yeah. I currently lift. So seven days a week. I don't, I just, I don't take any days off right now. Yeah. You're seven um, days a week. Wow. Yeah. So I lift, uh, basically when I was in prep, I was like, I can't wait to lift, like actually lift with the intention of doing, of making progress, not right. like the war of attrition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like I had done some programming for a client of mine that was like, Hey, I'm going to lift seven days a week. I'm okay with the drawbacks that that's going to bring. But if you program me four days, I'm going to be doing seven. I, I'm just being straight with you. 
So like, all right, well, we'll see what we can do to like find a program that kind of like at least does its best. Um, and like I built that program, like, man, I can't wait to run this. Um, <laughs> so like this is a, a kind of a similar, this is a different version because I have different priorities. So mine is a little bit more, whatever, I'll get into it. So day one, chest and triceps. Day two, biceps, lats, glutes. Day three, chest, delts, and triceps. Day four, legs. Day five, chest, biceps, triceps. Day six, glutes and delts. Day seven, biceps and back. So there's somewhere there are actually pretty things, pretty close things that would be um, like, hey, I feel like you're probably overworking some of these. Um, for example, day one, chest. Day three, chest, delts, and triceps. Um, those, that chest on day three is fully isolation work. So that way, or at least one of, one of these days is fully isolation work. So that way I'm not hitting triceps at the same time as chest. Uh, the same with some of my lat and bicep work. I try to minimize my bicep work on one of those days. So that way each, each, each time I'm hitting these groups, I'm trying to give like roughly 48 hours of recovery for each thing. And that's why it's like weird things like chest, biceps. No, no. Where is it? Glutes and delts. Like glute, glute and delt days because I was like, ah, I can't figure out how to make anything else fit in this day except for those two muscles. I think um, I do a seven day version of what um, Eric Helms has described as how he's been programming lately. Um, there's a, a couple interviews he's done recently where he kind of just describes like, what are the priority movements he has? He sets those equal equidistant and then he fills in random parts where it might be like, I guess I'm doing calves at the beginning of my arm day. Um, so like essentially I landed at a similar style of programming for seven days a week. Um, it is, it is definitely more than I need. Um, but mentally I really just wanted to train. Um, so now that I'm probably at the end of this mesocycle, I'm like, not as like gung ho of lifting every day. So I think I'll probably move down to what I'm used to, which is a four to six day, uh, routine. So after, after this mesocycle, or maybe I do one, like another half, I'll probably swap back down, but. I just really wanted to be in the gym. It's in my backyard. So like, that's not that hard to make. I, I'm, I'm curious too, because I was like, I started to watch uh, Leroy, his literally Rollins is doing some off season stuff and he's doing like a bro split, right? And he's doing like- That home split. gym though, Jesus. Yeah, I know. He's got a great gym. Um, he's doing like three days on one day off and it's like one body part a day. And, you know, I get thinking, I was like, wow, that would be a convenient way for me to train if I could do like shorter workouts, just because my gym gets so busy. Like I got there this morning at 630 and the gym's very, very busy. And I kind of need to get there to get my stuff, all my work done. But, you know, from about seven to eight, it lops off. Like that's kind of like a dead period. And that's where I'm getting a lot of my good work done. And I was thinking, wow, could I just program like you know, basically an hour to hour, 15 minute workouts and just do them, you know, six days a week, kind of like in that zone. Um, but what I found in the past when I did six days a week, and it could have been because it was just too much volume, too much intensity, but always after three days of training in a row, that fourth day would suck. I just would have no energy to like really push. Um, mm -hmm. And that that's what's keeping me from doing it now, because I was, when, when he made that video, I was like, oh, that'd be fun to try. I haven't trained like that in a while. Um, right. But, um, that's, what's been keeping me on my five day split is knowing that, you know, even sometimes getting the third day in a row of a training routine for me, I feel like, I feel like I just don't have that same drive. And like, I just kind of like almost need that day off to kind of like recenter my body and almost just have a break from going to the gym. Mm -hmm. and then I feel really good. And I can always train two days in a row. That's never an issue, but 
I find when I did six days in the past, like when I did a push pull legs, um, you know, two times per week by that fourth day, man, I just was like, eh, don't even want to be here. Yeah. And I guess one of the, to be more honest, one of the reasons I'm also doing the seven day split is I really wanted to really test where my recovery was. Like I've always kind of thought, I'm curious, like, do do you feel the drive to train every day? Like all seven days? Like how's that been for you? Yeah. I can't wait to get in there. I mean, I'm, (laughs) I'm probably cutting off the last like, like two exercises of my eight exercise selection. Um, But yeah, uh, honestly, I think I've always thought that I had a high recovery capacity uh, compared to general peers. Um, And I was like, you know what, screw it. Let's give it a test. Um, I want to train every day. Let's see if I can and see how recovery goes. Um, Honestly, um, each day uh, after, after my session, I get to work and I'm the most annoying person at work because I'm too energetic. (laughs) Um, So like, I, I really can't say that it has affected my recovery in a way that has been overt. Uh, there might be subtle things that I am not accounting for or not noticing uh, that might, might signal that I really do need um, more recovery. But I, I don't know that anything has been obvious enough for me to say, I don't think this is working. Nice. Um, so that's, it's kind of nice, and, but it is really time-consuming. <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't mind having like another like hour and a half back right one day um but I I really do kind of want to continue this until uh, yeah. I either feel tired or I like if I have no desire to train well then I'm either overworked or I just should just lift less anyway so yeah um kind of yeah. auto regulation at its best one of the things I really want to try for my next contest prep um and maybe like Maybe at some point during the off season, if I if I feel I need it, I might do like a, a a short mini cut, like very short, you know, three four weeks. Uh, I I really do want to try doing only four days a week of training, well on a deficit, and just see how that goes. Uh, because doing five days a week and doing lower volume just seemed to work so much better for me. Uh, this last contest prep, and I'm just wondering, like, is there still a little bit more to explore down that avenue of just doing a little bit less? Um, just because like, I was really impressed with how the five day was and the, the previous prep, I did six days. And I think that was a mistake. Like I, it was just, I don't know why I got onto that, uh, in 2019, but you know, like I'd always done five days and done well in it. Um, but you know, really even lowering the volume further was great. Uh, this last prep and what, what if it's even a little bit less, like what if there's three days of rest from the weights in between, like, well, that made me kind of like train a little bit harder each session or hold on to a little bit more performance that way like because that's something i haven't tried in a while and if that's something i do want to try this off season if i do a mini diet it's like let's try a four-day routine see if Mm -hmm. i like it see if it seems to make sense in a calorie deficit and then you know maybe that's maybe that could be a more optimal way of doing my next prep i'm i'm kind of glad you mentioned that that sort of like progression of like slowly tapering down across different seasons um because like yes i said i trained seven days a week um but that's not what Peter in the past has done. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now and what I've never done before. Um, I started out lifting three days a week. I did the, um, what is it? Uh, what is it? GoMad, that, that program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, starting months. strength. I did starting strength. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's yeah. a three-day program. Uh, and I did that for probably two years. Uh, I stuck with that for about two years and I was happy with that. I did do GoMad in college because milk was free. It was easy to gain weight that way. Um, and then I did four days a week for probably six years. Um, I did various versions of conjugate that entire time. So it was a lot of like 
one rep maxes, a lot of repetition method, a little bit of dynamic method. Um, and I just love, love that method. And I did that all through my, like my big three lifting. So like non-competitive power lifter days and all of my strongman, like my, my most, I, I should, I shouldn't say my most successful strongman, but my strongest strongman days. Um, my most, my strongest was after I did my first season of bodybuilding, but, um, anyway, for a, a dominant amount of my time, I did much, much lower volume. Um, which is why I'm finally trying something different. Uh, and I wanted to kind of explore the other end of that spectrum. How many, how many days per week were you training for your last contest prep? No, uh, last contest prep, um, probably about five. Five. So same as me then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I went up, I went up from four to five just because I wanted to train more. Just, I was excited about the process. So I want to train more. Yeah. And then I did five for the current or the most recent prep. That's uh, so I'm, I'm curious too, when you, when you go down uh, from the seven day a week thing um, that you're doing right now, we, do you think you've formed any like sort of like emotional attachments to movements you're doing now and you find it like hard to like X them out or can you, or, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that sometimes, you know what I mean? I'm kind of like, oh, but I need this for this part of my back. Like I can't take it out. Well, I'm, I'm reducing my frequency, not my volume, right. Duh. keeping them all in just in less days. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, there's definitely things where I'm like, man, I, when I cut down, I'm really going to have to be more choosy about the specific movements I do. And I, I honestly just haven't, haven't made the, the cuts yet. I haven't, haven't even looked at what I would cut, but I know it will be an annoying day where I sit down with some paper and write out like seven programs for myself Yeah, and then pick one. Man, that, that's the frustrating thing about being someone who loves to, loves to think about training is you're always inventing these routines in your head. And I almost, I'm like, wow, I'm really into this stuff. And I'm like, it's almost a little recessive to like be doing this all the time. Like <laughs> this, can't, mm -hmm. this, this can't be always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, cool. I think we covered quite a bit. And I think I'm at like maybe 6% battery. So we should probably call this here uh, with a, a quick wrap up and kind of just uh what are we doing over the next two weeks anything anything cool anything exciting training nutrition um no i'm going to stay on the same track and if i feel like there's signs to deload or change my program i will um i have to i'm at a crossroads with these movements i think i might go to that low handle trap bar to lift uh and do the reset as opposed to touching go with the high handles uh coming up mm -hmm. soon and other than that i think my split will remain and i just want to keep driving progress forward sweet yeah, uh, in two weeks, I'll be nearing the end of my accumulation. So I'll be close to that overreaching phase. Maybe I'll be tired. Uh, I do like to do the overreaching. Um, I don't know if I really truly do it, if it, it's just the hardest time of my workout and then I move on. Um, but it, uh, it'll be week, let's see, I'm on week 11, 12, 13. Of, yeah, I'll be on week 13 of 14. 14 is my deload. Uh, so nice. we'll, we'll be talking when I'm at, at least at my most volume state of seven days a week and kind of seeing how that goes. And uh, maybe next time we'll talk more about nutrition and kind of like what's going on in general. So, yeah, for sure. Sweet. I think we uh, proved um, coach. Um, uh, I, I think coach Joe doesn't have the premium account uh, for zoom because we haven't, I know no yet. interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put that in for you, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Come on, man. <laughs> Noob. Sweet. Signing out. See you guys. See you.